Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back. Another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Just four more days until the weekend. No one's counting. But let me know what you guys are up to, what you guys are eating for breakfast, or I guess on the East Coast, it's, it's right around lunchtime. I'm going to live vicariously through your lunch menu. So let me know what you're having for lunch or breakfast today. So I can, again, live vicariously through you. Lots to talk about today. Biden's Afghanistan lies are finally starting to fall apart. I mean, they've been falling apart for weeks, but this they're finally going around full circle and the administration officials are actually now being forced to answer for what they did. And yesterday you had Secretary of State Blinken before um, a House committee and he was getting, he was getting nailed by a lot of GOP questions. Now, I, I get it. The GOP, it's a lot of talk all talk, no action. And there's a certain bit of this that's like, oh yeah, you're demanding that he resign. Congratulations. Welcome to the party. We've been demanding that for weeks. But it is nice to see a backbone actually start to protrude. It, it, it's nice to realize that the GOP is actually made up of vertebrates and not invertebrates as we have long suspected. So we're going to get into a lot of those different clips, some pretty big doozies that Blinken said which, I mean, leave it to the Biden administration officials. A lot of self-inflicted wounds whenever they get in front of a, a camera. And as we saw yesterday, the White House actually cut Joe Biden off mid-sentence. They, they cut the stream mid-sentence. He's literally talking and they just cut it mid-sentence. Apparently, they don't trust anyone to actually talk in, in that administration. So we're going to play a bunch of clips. But before we get into the Afghanistan part, there was an interesting exchange between Representative Perry and Secretary Blinken about, of all things, Hunter Biden. And it kind of came out of left field. So I want to play this clip for you. But before I do, I have to remind everyone, hit that share button. Very important. Please hit the share button. It's easy. Takes all of like two seconds. Hit the share button if you're watching on Facebook. Give us a thumbs up, comment. If you're watching anywhere else, DLive, Twitch, conservative-daily.com, Clout Hub, wherever you're watching, you can also share. You can copy the link. In, uh, in your URL bar, and you can share it to your social platforms. Please, please, please do that and help us gain more viewers, reach more people. We were, we were shooting up like a rocket ship last year. The, literally, the sky was the moon. We reached number six in the Apple podcast rankings. And as soon as we did, Facebook decided to clamp down on us, which was our biggest social audience. So we're, we're now starting to climb back up in those rankings, but we need your help to reach more people because the powers that be won't let us reach them organically. So again, hit that share button if you haven't already. Okay, this is the clip of Representative Perry ambushing Blinken on Hunter Biden out of nowhere. And Blinken is completely stunned. Let's play cut zero. I ask you this. I just have a couple more questions for you. A little off topic here, but I think it's interesting. How long was your recent interview with the FBI and was it a deposition? I'm sorry, I don't know what you're referring are you saying that you have not had a recent interview with the FBI since becoming Secretary of State? I'm, uh, I, 
I'm not sure what you're referring to, uh, and I'm happy to take that uh, up with you offline. Did the, did the State Department turn over documents to the FBI related to Hunter Biden, Burisma, and or the Blue State Strategies Co Corporation? Uh, you'll have to. Uh, so you ask have no the, knowledge uh, of this. You have had no. You don't. You are you saying you have had not, not had an interview with would, the FBI would, since it would not be appropriate for me to comment uh, in a public forum on any uh, legal proceedings that the department. I'm not asking you to comment on the legal proceedings. I'm just asking if you've been interviewed by the FBI since becoming Secretary of State. Um, again, I'm not going to comment one way or another on any uh, legal proceedings or not uh, that may or may not have uh, happened. Have you sought um, to let, let me remind the gentleman that the topic of this hearing is Afghanistan. That's what we're. I, I appreciate it, Mr. Chairman, but the secretary generally refuses to answer questions about Afghanistan. So I just figured we talk about something you should be intimately familiar with. Have you sought to alter any of your testimony from last year's Senate investigation regarding this topic, Mr. Secretary? Gentlemen's time is. So they literally saved him by the bell. You heard that at the end. He said, "Have you sought to change any of your testimony?" from last year in the Senate investigation and the chairman of the committee hit the gavel and said, your time has expired, literally saved him by the bell. An old boxing reference. So that came out of left field. And presumably the Congressman is in the know about certain interviews that I guess Blinken wishes weren't made public. And it's interesting by definition, what Blinken just did was perjury. He was asked point blank, have you had any interviews with the FBI since becoming Secretary of State? And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. He, uh, Perry then elaborated and explained, oh, I'm, I'm referring to Hunter Biden, Burisma, and this other organization. And all of a sudden, he clams up and says, I'm not going to talk about ongoing investigations. Well, then did you just remember? Or was the part about you not remembering and not knowing what he's talking about a lie? I mean, this is if we actually had a Congress willing to enforce the perjury generally statute, this guy would go to prison for five years. I mean, that that's a lie. They were going after Trump advisors, Trump officials, Trump friends for four years over the slightest mis misspoke misspeak, right? They they said it they said something happened on a Tuesday and it really happened on a Wednesday. Ah, perjury. Oh, it happened at, at 10 a.m. Up, oh, nope, 10:30, perjury. Remember, they went after Papadopoulos um, because he told the FBI that he hadn't met with anyone who was Russian. And the FBI determined that someone had a sufficiently enough sounding Russian accent to make that a lot, even though he didn't know he was Russian. I mean, th the left is willing to pick through testimony with a fine tooth comb to find anything that can possibly be defined as perjury. And here we have this guy inside of a minute lying. He's either lying or he's inept and shouldn't have the position. If you can't remember whether you sat for a deposition with the FBI or were interviewed by the FBI, then what are you doing in this administration? We already have a president, asterisk, who can't remember where he is, when he is, why he is. We can't have cabinet secretaries with the same ailment. But yeah, so that was very uh, enlightening that apparently, I mean, maybe it was made up, but it certainly doesn't sound like it was made up. He seems like he has the evidence, the T as the kids call it these days. We'll have to wait and see with that. But Blinken was certainly startled. He became a stuttering mess. And the fact that the chairman rushed in to try and say, oh, no, we're talking about Afghanistan. Should tell you all you need to know about how scared Democrats are of that line of 
of questioning. So let's get into the Afghanistan bets because the Afghanistan bets aren't any better than what you just saw. And again, hit that share button if you haven't already. Here is Secretary Blinking admitting that there's over 100 Americans still trapped in Afghanistan and thousands of, of, uh, of people who are eligible to come here. Let's play cut one. What is the number of Americans who are in Afghanistan as of the last update you received? The um, Congressman, going back to uh, this weekend, uh, we had about 100 American citizens uh, in contact with us who were who seek to leave Afghanistan. Those are the, those are the Americans we're working with. Do you, not, do you have an exact number? I can't give you an exact number. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. It's really uh, a snapshot at any given moment because what happens is... I asked you as of the last update you received. Yeah, as of the last update, it was about, about 100. Okay, how and many green card holders? Uh, green card holders is something that we don't uh, track directly. Uh, so what we've done is we've solicited people, if they are green card holders, to let us know. Uh, I think the, uh, the best estimates are that there are several thousand green card holders in Afghanistan. Several thousand green ho- card holders, about 100. I mean, this is something that the administration has done time and time again. They're asked, how many Americans are in Afghanistan? They say, well, it's a fluid number. It's always changing. So we don't know how many are in Afghanistan right now. So then they get asked, okay, well, what was the number the last time you saw it? Even if it's changed now, I mean, presumably it would get smaller, not bigger, right? If there's 110 Americans in Afghanistan two days ago, presumably it can only get better. You're not, I mean, I guess other Americans could could turn up and say, hey, I'm here, you forgot about me. That would be bad for the administration, bad for America. But if if they're doing their job, the number should get smaller. They shouldn't be afraid of giving you the wrong answer because then they can come back and say, oh yeah, sorry, I was wrong. It's actually fewer than I, I said. But they'll never, they never give the answer. Going back three weeks now, they never give the answer. They don't want you to know because they don't want to be held accountable. But here's an interesting thing. Blinken is asked whether he abandoned Americans overseas. And he says no. Flat out says no. Let's play cut two. Do you feel that the United States of America has abandoned our citizens? No, absolutely not. Uh, on the contrary. On the contrary. Thank you very much. We've made it. I appreciate, appreciate your, your responses. Uh, and with that, I- on the contrary. Well, let's flesh this out. Obviously, Secretary of State. He operates the embassy, the embassy and the consulates in Afghanistan. The embassy is empty. There is no one in there. I guess presumably there are Taliban floating around, but there are no Americans staffing the embassy. They pulled the Americans out and he admits that there's around 100 Americans left. So that's 100 Americans, what, two weeks after the withdrawal? He said, oh, no, we didn't abandon anyone. Oh, on the contrary. He pulled out of the embassy. You pulled out of the airport. Military left. All the State Department officials left. That's the definition of abandonment. They abandoned them there. Is that all on the contrary? On the contrary. There's been news reports, and we're learning more and more about it every day, that Blinken was actually on vacation when the Taliban took over Afghanistan. He was on vacation in the Hamptons, I believe. Not an, I don't think he's been grilled enough on that. But Congressman Ronnie Jackson had a chance to ask him some questions about that. And we're going to show you what he said. Let's play cut three. Secretary Blinken, 
Exactly one week ago, four of my constituents escaped Afghanistan, the first known to leave the country since your administration abandoned American citizens in Kabul on the 30th of August. Your officials left this young mother and her three children behind. The youngest was two years old. The family remained hidden and terrified for 12 long days until my team and a group of brave patriots on the ground facilitated their evacuation. During this time, the State Department did nothing to help this family. Instead, you directed them to go to the Taliban checkpoints repeatedly, where the mother eventually had a pistol placed to her head, and then told them to stay in their homes as the Taliban went door-to-door searching for American citizens and Afghan allies, all while you were vacationing in the Hamptons and your diplomats were safe in Doha. Then miraculously, after their safe arrival, the State Department jumped in to claim full responsibility for what had happened. The response from your team is revolting. It takes credit from the brave patriots who risked their lives to actually bring my constituents. It's all true. His answer is revolting. He's on vacation. All of his diplomats were safe. They pulled them out long in advance. And as Ronnie Jackson says, he's absolutely right. The American government abandoned these people. It took a congressman and a team of private security personnel, like veterans, special forces veterans, to go in and save these people. And while everything was happening, Blinken was on vacation. Listen, I get it. People take vacations. People take vacations. They take trips. They need to decompress. I get that. But it's a terrible look to go on vacation and say, okay, everything's fine. I can go on vacation. And then it just completely collapses. It's a terrible look. And the fact that they're now in cover-up mode makes it even worse. This is a clip that isn't getting a ton of play. But I think it's important because it shows you just how radical the Biden administration has become, actually giving legitimacy to the Taliban. Blinken, during his testimony, referred to the Taliban as, quote, the Afghan government, end quote. That's something that hasn't been said yet in the administration. It's something that might not seem all that important. It's just words. But when you give legitimacy to a foreign government, a foreign terrorist organization, actually call it the government. Listen, we didn't call ISIS the government. ISIS, we didn't call them the caliphate. We didn't give them legitimacy in what they were trying to accomplish. We called them a terrorist organization that's currently occupying certain lands. Not anymore, but they were. We didn't call them the government of Syria and Iraq, right? We didn't call them the government. Here's Blinken referring to the Taliban as the Afghan government. Play cut number four. It is not. So your testimony earlier was is that we're sending taxpayer dollars to Afghanistan right now for humanitarian relief. Who are we sending that to? To NGOs and to the United Nations agencies who are using that assistance, not to the Afghan government. Not to the not to the Afghan, the Taliban. <laughs> there is no Afghan government. There is no Afghan government. Because they go, oh, don't worry, the foreign aid is going to the United Nations. United Nations. I mean, there was a video, we played a uh, showed an image a couple weeks ago of Taliban forces outside of a UN compound rounding people up with AK-47s. And we showed it because of the irony of the UN propaganda. It's propaganda, but it's good propaganda. Saying, oh, women have rights too. Like, oh, respect women's rights. It's good. Technically propaganda, but good. We showed it because of the juxtaposition of the Taliban holding women at gunpoint and forcing them to completely cover their face. New one's not going to do crap. I mean, the United Nations stood around in Rwanda and watched as people were slaughtered. You give money to the United Nations, you give food to the United Nations, the Taliban is just going to take it. 
There's no UN army. But he refers to it, like, don't worry, we're not sending it to the Afghan government. The Afghan government doesn't exist. So it's little things like that, little things like that that really don't seem all that important. But when you add it, when you actually are over there, they're celebrating. They're celebrating the fact that Blinken just gave them legitimacy. So there's a lot discussed during this meeting about the intelligence and how the intelligence could have been so wrong. And Blinken was one of the men who should have had the intelligence that Afghanistan was about to crumble. Blinken should have been on that call where Joe Biden pressured the president of Afghanistan to lie about the way the war was going. Blinken says that that didn't happen. Blinken says that they, they did the best they could and that they didn't ignore anything. Let's play this clip, cut number five. But the cable did say the, the Afghan government was at risk of collapse, and you said that, that the thoughts of the drafters reflected much of the thinking of the department. By the way, at the exact same time, the Bureau of Intelligence and Research in the department was briefing this committee that the Taliban was moving quickly toward a takeover of the country. You presumably had access to that same intelligence from INR, which corroborated the dissent cable and was alarming to many members of this committee. Do you dispute that? As we've uh, had an opportunity to discuss uh, throughout these many months, uh, there were ongoing intelligence assessments about the durability, resilience of the Afghan government. I mean, let's, let's just be honest, Mr. Secretary. These were alarming cables. There were warnings. There were warnings to you. You said they reflected, they reflected the majority of position of the department. Did you share this intelligence with the president of the United States? Two things on the uh, on the cable, uh, Congressman. First, uh, the, the the main focus of the cable was on taking steps to expedite the well, efforts we were making to bring out uh, the uh, SIV uh, applicants uh, and others from Afghanistan. And Several why was that? Because was, the collapse was imminent. Did you share that intelligence with the president? It did not say that the collapse was imminent. It expressed. Well, why did you accelerate the process? It, it, because it expressed real concerns about two things. Because we got it, too. We saw it, too. We knew this was totally avoidable. Did you share that intelligence with the president? Did you, uh, did you advise him for a shift in strategy as a result of this intelligence? Again, this is not – this. first of all, it's not intelligence. It's information analysis assessment that's very okay. important coming from our, from our embassy. INR uh, is intelligence, and the cable was analysis. Did you share it with the president? The the dissent channel, uh, the, which is a an important, very important tradition in the State Department, under its regulations, is shared only with the senior leadership. Of question. You're not answering the question, but I want to know if you recommend a shift in policy, and if not, why not? Uh, I want to know if the president contemplated shifting any part of this strategy when it was very apparent that this strategy of, of unconditional retreat was failing. And it was failing over a month before the fall. He will answer. He will answer. So let's break this down a little bit. The answer that he just says, no, he didn't. I mean, if, if he did share this information, then that is, <laughs> that's, Joe Biden should be impeached for it, right? And that's why he doesn't want to give you the answer either. He was incompetent and didn't tell the president what he was being told, or he was failing in his job and wasn't paying attention, or he told the president, asterisk, and the guy just didn't care. 
I mean, no matter what his answer is, it's not a good look, which is why he's a stuttering mess and avoiding answer a very simple yes or no question. He made a claim that it's not intelligence. So it comes from the embassy. That's a load of crap. Embassies within them have CIA officials. When CIA officials go overseas, the, the station chief and all the CIA officials, they work out of the embassy. They're called embassy staff. They're on record, on payroll as being embassy, State Department staff, but they're really CIA. So when information intelligence comes from an embassy, it is not coming from State Department staff, the people who are behind the desk stamping the passports, stamping the visas. No, it's coming from the CIA officials that are embedded within the embassy or the consulate. So he says, oh, that's not intelligence. Absolutely, it's intelligence. So he just can't stop lying. He can't, he won't stop lying. Because there's no good answer. He goes on vacation, even though he's been given intelligence to suggest that this whole thing is going to fall apart. Well, did you tell the president or did you not tell the president? He won't answer the question. He just won't. It's, it's incredible. So during his opening statement, Blinken made a comment about the Taliban when he went into office that the Taliban was the strongest it had ever been. This congressman fact checks him and says, no, the Tal that's not the date that the Taliban was the strongest it's ever been. Right now is the point that the Taliban is strongest it's ever been because you gave them all these weapons, you abandoned Afghanistan, and you gave it to them. Let's play this. Cut number six. Mr. Blinken, even in your opening statement, you can't be honest with the American people. You stated, and I quote, that by January 2021, the Taliban was in its strongest military position since 9-11. I'm pretty sure their strongest military position has been during your entire administration, not prior to it. In fact, their strongest military position since the towers were hit in 2001 was this past September 11th, the 20th anniversary, all of which happened on your watch, not your predecessors. In fact, on April 27th of this year, days before the original deadline negotiated by the Trump administration that you and the Biden administration violated, the Taliban controlled 77 districts in Afghanistan. The Afghan government controlled 129, and there were 194 contested districts. By August 15th, while you and Biden were on vacation, the Taliban had taken and controlled 304 districts, and the government only controlled 37. From May to August of this year, while you... The Department of Defense and the president did absolutely nothing. The Taliban gained 227 districts in Afghanistan in just four months. You can't claim ignorance to what was going on there, and you can't blame the Trump administration for your failure. I served in Iraq, and I'm well aware of our capabilities. Your administration in the White House was seeing in real time what was happening in Afghanistan, and you did absolutely nothing to stop it. In fact, you did what you could to conceal the facts. Biden himself tried to get President Ghani to lie about what was happening on the ground. Biden told Ghani that, quote, the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things aren't going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. And there's a need, whether it's true or not, there's a need to project a different picture. That was on July 23rd, before all of you went on vacation. So you knew exactly what was going on there and did nothing to start moving our people out or our SIVs out until it was too late and the Taliban controlled the entire nation. Spot on. I mean, they knew the timeline doesn't lie. Biden's on that call with President Ghani, the Afghan president, and he tells him that he needs to change the perception. And Ghani's response is, sir, we are facing a full invasion. <laughs> like, we're, we can't just pretend that we're winning this war. We are being invaded. That was in late July. So then 
he goes on vacation and the whole thing collapsed. No, it, it's, it's incompetence. This isn't just like, we've said this on the show before people make mistakes, mistakes happen. And that's fine. It's what you do in response, how you fix the mistake and whether you've learned from it to date. No one has been fired in the Pentagon. No Pentagon employee, no U.S. military employee has been fired. Actually, we did just get news this week that they did fire someone. If you go ahead and put up my screen, Mr. Producer. The Navy Academy has fired their longtime offensive coordinator after an 0-2 start. So don't worry, they did fire the football coach. But actually, just kidding, they rehired him a couple days later. Instead of all this, they don't fire anyone related to Afghanistan. No one. They finally fire someone. It's the offensive coordinator because they went 0-2 for the football team. And then, oh, bam, two days later, no, he's rehired again. <laughs> they can't even fire the offensive coordinator. It's just, it's a joke. It, it, if there weren't Americans over there trapped, still being held hostage, it would be a joke. If they hadn't just given the Taliban all of that military equipment, the prestige of referring to them as the Afghan government, it would be a joke. But it's not funny. It's incompetence. It's deliberate. A lot of this is deliberate. You cannot be this incompetent. Everyone cannot fail all at once like this. At some point, it has to become intentional. You can take down my screen. So... Uh, Representative Brian Mast, if anyone doesn't know, he is a veteran and he lost both of his legs. So if there's anyone to talk about the issue of, of Afghanistan or Iraq or, or the U.S. military involvement overseas, he is the one to do it. He used his testimony, his, his time, pretty well, in my opinion. He, he teared into Blinken in the beginning about the intel lie that we just heard from that other congressman. But then he spent the major the rest of his time allotted to him holding up the pictures of the 13 U.S. servicemen and women who died. It was a powerful moment, so much so that I don't want to uh, I don't want to cut it up. So we're going to play it in its entirety. This is Representative Mass. Let's play cut seven. Mr. Secretary, as the transcript, the leaked transcript, as you referred to it, says. <laughs> Uh, did the the President Biden work with the coward exiled president of Afghanistan to manipulate the intelligence about the Taliban? What the president said to President uh, then President Ghani uh, in, in private is exactly what he said in public, that the issue was not whether Afghanistan had the capacity uh, to withstand the, the Taliban. It's whether it had the will and the plan to do so. He He's urged him. The transcript was uh, a lie. It's, it's have false. That, uh, plan. It's incorrect. And, he did not and work. to bring people together You're in unity. You're saying it's false, it's a lie, it's incorrect. He did not work to tamp down the intelligence on the Taliban. Absolutely not. So the transcript is incorrect. That's your testimony uh, today. The, the, the intelligence uh, that uh, we had, we've already discussed at some, at some length about what the assessments were. Uh, of the Taliban and its capacity to uh, to take over the country. I think that everybody looking for an explanation about what happened and how everybody got it so wrong, how your administration got it so wrong, uh, needs to look at that as the most likely explanation, asking the president to manipulate the intelligence of what was actually going on with the Taliban. And I'm going to tell you the 13 families that deserve most to really hear the honest answers on that. It's these families. Marine Lance Corporal Kareem Nakui. His family deserves to truly know that. 
Marines Corporal, Marine Corporal Dagan Page. His family truly deserves to know if that's why uh, they are missing their son because intelligence was manipulated. Marine Lance Corporal Riley McCollum, 20, wife expecting their first child. Sister said he was going to be the best dad ever. They deserve to know if that's what happened and that's why everything went so wrong. Marine Sergeant, Marine Sergeant Nicole Gee, 23 years old. You can see her there holding a young child. Her family deserves to know if that's why everything went so wrong, because that intelligence was manipulated. Marine Lads Corporal David Espinoza, just 20 years old. Family deserves to know if that's why everything went so wrong is because the intelligence was manipulated. Marine Corporal Humberto Sanchez, just 22 years old. Mother said, my kid was a hero. That's what was said. That's what his mother said. Deserves to know if that's why everything went so wrong, because the intelligence got manipulated. Marine Marine Lance Corporal Jared Smith, just 20 years old. Family deserves to know if that's why everything went so wrong. Marine Corporal Hunter Lopez, just 22, son of two sheriffs, planned to follow in their footsteps. Their family deserves to know if that's why everything went so wrong, is because you all worked to manipulate the intelligence of what was going on on the ground there. Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Darren Hoover, his, his family said, I love you, son. Check in on us. We will try to make you proud. They deserve to know if that's what happened, if that's how, if that's how everything went so wrong in Afghanistan. Marine Corps Sergeant Johanny Rosario Picardo, family deserves to know if that's why everything went so wrong, because you all worked to manipulate the intelligence of what was going on with the Taliban. Marine Lance Corporal Dylan Marola, just 20. Family said he always had a smile on his face, was the kindest person. They deserve to know if that's why everything went so wrong, because you all manipulated intelligence. Army Staff Sergeant Ryan Knauss, the ultimate honor he could give was to give back to his country. He would not be sorry. He would not regret it. That's what his family said. They deserve to know if you manipulated intelligence, if President Biden manipulated intelligence, and that's what led to everything going so wrong. Navy Corpsman Maxton Soviak, just 22. His family deserves to know if that's why everything went so wrong. We deserve hearings on what's going on with that leaked transcript. We deserve to know why there are others that remain in Afghanistan. Mark Frerichs, Navy veteran, disappeared in Coast Province January 30 of, of 2020. We deserve to know, know what's going on with his relief. These are things that have to be answered for. I do not believe whatsoever what you're saying about the administration not working to manipulate that intelligence to me, that is the most logical, the most logical explanation of how so many in the intelligence community got this so wrong about what was going to happen in Afghanistan. Why it would seem somehow logical for President Biden to leave the, quote, most advanced military weaponry. Why, why some would not speak out against that if they were getting the false intelligence because it was coming from the top down to manipulate it. In my opinion, that's absolutely aid and comfort to the enemy. I absolutely wonder if you were complicit in this as well. I find it hard to believe that President Biden would do that without you being aware of this. And these are things that we deserve to know better answers, have better hearings on this. I do not believe a word that you're saying on this. Wow. Listen, usually I am no Brian Mast fan. Um, the guy ha held some gun control positions that I'm not on board with at all. But if we put up my screen, no one, no one can doubt this man's sacrifice and service to our country. Put up my screen that he lost his legs. 
a veteran himself, lost his legs, now serving in Congress. And you want to pay attention to what he just said. It wasn't just that you're lying about the intelligence. It wasn't just that I don't believe you. He said, you lying about the intelligence is tantamount to giving aid and comfort to the enemy. What he just said, without saying the words, is he accused Blinken of treason. He accused, I guess, Biden, since Biden was the one <laughs> urging them to cover up intelligence, of treason. You have a sitting congressman, and this is no like far-right conservative. This is no like Jim Jordan. Brian Mass, yeah, he holds a lot of conservative positions, holds a lot of cent very centrist, even leaning towards the left positions, like, like on red flag laws and things like that. So he's no like Freedom Caucus leader for him to say that this is treasonous and say, I don't believe you. Again, I wanted to make sure we played that in its entirety because not only was it powerful with him showing each and every picture of the men and women who died in Afghanistan, which I will remind you, I'll remind you, the reporting indicates that a drone pilot had the bomber in his sights, asked for permission to shoot the bomber, obviously fire a Hellfire missile, whatever the drone was armed with, and the Pentagon ordered him to stand down. So that armed drone, instead of firing on the bomber, watched as the bomber went to the target and blew up that gate, killed 13 American soldiers. So I want to play that in its entirety. It's powerful stuff. Powerful, powerful stuff. Going to remind everyone that this podcast is sponsored by MyPillow. They're going after Mike Lindell like crazy. If we put up the overlay for the MyPillow. They're going like my, after Mike Lindell like crazy. He has lost $65 million in revenue just from them pulling out the different stores, going woke and pulling him out of their stores, like the Bed Bath & Beyond of the world. They're going after him legally, trying to shut him down. They just put a man back in jail, a January 6th protester, back in jail because he had the audacity to watch Mike Lindell's cyber symposium on his phone. They're doing everything they can to brand this man as a radical. He loves his country. He's a man of God. He's a man of faith. And he needs your help. So please, please, please go to the link in our description and use promo code CD21. You're going to get up to 66% off your orders. The best discount code that they have. Use promo code CD21. Help support Mike Lindell. Full disclosure, we do get a little bit when you use our code, but it helps support the show, helps grow the show. So yeah, please do check out the link. Get some pillows, get some sheets, get some towels. The slippers are great. Everything Mike Lindell puts out is great. It's a real shame what's happening to him. So we're going to play a couple more clips of members of Congress starting to get a backbone. And I like to call them invertebrates. That just means they're spineless. Invertebrates are just creatures without a spine. It seems here that they're starting to discover their spine. Now, whether that translates to action remains to be seen. I mean, I've been fooled a lot. To quote George W. Bush, you fool me once, shame on you. You fool me twice. Uh, uh, you, you fool me twice. You fool me once, you're not going to fool me again. I say that to you, GOP. So this is Representative Green calling Blinken a failure right to his face. Let's play cut eight. H. Kaya, you had no plan or a horrible plan to get people into the gate. 
Just get them through the gate. My colleagues and I had hundreds of people on the phone that were U.S. citizens sitting at the gates and they couldn't get in. That's a failure on you, either to plan or you had a horrible plan, but those U.S. citizens couldn't get through the gate. Just own it. Get some credibility. Own it. Own it. Own it. You're a failure. But no, they won't own it. They're still going around and saying that it was the best withdrawal that ever could have happened. Here's Lee Zeldin calling for Blinken right to his face to resign. Let's play cut 10. We must never forget the May 8th bombing in Kabul, where Islamic extremist terrorists slaughtered over 80 innocent young girls. You should have changed course then because of this group. That's Wilson. We'll get that in a second. Zeldin, my mistake, play cut number nine. This is Zeldin calling for Blinken to resign. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, fatally flawed, poorly executed. Uh, We had the loss of U.S. service members as a result. We should not have been operating off of an arbitrary July 31st deadline. Instead, what we should have done was tell the Taliban that we are going to leave Afghanistan when we're done bringing every last American home, not operating off of some arbitrary date. We shouldn't have collapsed Bagram when we did. We shouldn't have been relying on the Taliban to provide security at the airport. Uh, We shouldn't have been allowing billions of dollars worth of U.S. weapons and equipment to get turned over to Afghanistan. You, the administration, should not have been lying and misleading the American public, like when the, the White House press secretary is standing out there, uh, to, to the press and to the American public and saying the Americans aren't stranded, even though we all know that they are. And I'm concerned that this administration with incompetency is exposing a vulnerability that other countries, like we see North Korea now testing long-range missiles. We see Iran enhancing uranium enrichment. What happens when China and Russia and uh, Hamas and Hezbollah and Al-Qaeda and, and the Taliban, they continue to press forward because we have an administration that doesn't know how to confront an adversary, under, understanding that they do not respect weakness, they only respect strength. And and it, it is so greatly unfortunate, the consequences, and I believe that you, sir, should resign. That would be leadership. I yield back. That would be leadership. Resign. Resign. So another congressman called on Blinken to resign. We just played it. It was my mistake. We'll play it again. This is... Representative Joe Wilson. Let's play cut 10. We must never forget the May 8th bombing in Kabul, where Islamic extremist terrorists slaughtered over 80 innocent young girls. You should have changed course then uh, because of this gruesome revealing fact. The murderers of that attack now will have a safe haven to attack American families at home. Your bizarre abandoning of Bagram airfield led directly to 13 Marines murdered in Kabul. You should resign. I yield back. You should resign. I yield back. Now, the Democrats weren't happy about that. Democrats weren't happy that Joe Wilson said that. And they were prepared. And they hit him based on his previous comment. If you remember, a long time ago, Obama's State of the Union address. Remember the congressman who shouted up and said, you lie to Barack Obama? That was Joe Wilson. So after he told him to resign after he called out all of Blinken's lies. Another representative, Connolly, basically attacked Wilson and brought up this you lie moment in an attempt to attack him. Let's play that. It's cut 11. I guess I would say to my friend from South Carolina, if I were the member of Congress who committed one of the most grievous acts in a State of the Union address when the President of the United States, Mr. Obama, was our guest, to shout out you lie, 
I might take more care about enumerating other alleged lies in a hearing with the Secretary of State. Oh, wow, you zinged him. You zinged him. He shouted, you lie. You got him. You got him. Let's play that old clip, just in case you forgot. And I want to show you the context of why, at the time, Joe Wilson stood up and said, you lie. Because Barack Obama was lying. He claimed that there was never any intention, it would never happen, that Obamacare would give subsidized insurance to illegal aliens. Joe Wilson stood up and said, you lie. He was, he was shunned for it. He was criticized for it. But he wasn't wrong. So let's play this. This is cut 12. There are also those who claim that our reform efforts would ensure illegal immigrants. This, too, is false. The reforms, the reforms I'm proposing would not apply to those who are here illegally. It's not true. And one more misunderstanding I want to clear up. Under our plan, no federal dollars will be used to fund abortions, and federal conscience laws will remain in place. Now, I cut it. So that, that's a lie. Democrats are right now trying to undo that Obama promise to give federal funding for abortion. That's literally in their platform. But it also was a lie that none of that would go to subsidize health insurance for illegal aliens. Right now, if you do the search under illegal aliens, it won't come up. But if you use their terminology, you say undocumented immigrants, you'll find that roughly 8% of undocumented immigrants technically have government subsidized health care. Insane. <laughs> Insane. But so yes, it was a lie. Did Joe Wilson break decorum by standing up and shouting, you lie? Yes, he did. But he was not wrong. It, he was telling the truth. Barack Obama was lying to you. I mean, it, he might have meant it then, but the Democrats had no intention of keeping that promise that it wouldn't go to illegal aliens, just like they had no intention of keeping the promise that Obamacare, subsidized government health plans, would not provide abortion coverage. They're literally trying to do that right now. They want federally funded abortions, elective abortion procedures. So yeah, they, they went after Wilson. Wilson told Blinken to resign. So well, you told Obama, you lie. Twitter, uh, leftist Twitter erupted like, oh, you got him. That's a real zinger. But no, Wilson was always telling the truth. And the fact that they're, they're going there to try and silence him. They're still scared. Now, now the left believes, the left believes, technically, they believe that they've, they've gotten past the Afghanistan debacle. There are still Americans left abroad trapped behind the Taliban lines. And the Democrats don't think that it matters anymore. They think that Americans have moved on. They believe that in the lead up to the 9-11 anniversary. They still believe that today. And there was a poll that CNN put out. I mean, this is how, this is how they, they, they play games with the numbers. It was like last week, they put out a poll saying, oh, Biden's up. Biden's up. He's going up back in the approval ratings. But when you actually dive in, when you actually dive into the, the actual methodology, they, pull, they polled respondents over the course of an entire month, 30 days, way before Afghanistan, even before the 9-11 memorial. So they, they play games. I mean, th that's what they're going to do. 
that's what they're going to do to try and get Joe Biden back on top. And it's only going to take a couple a couple of these fake polls to get Joe Biden back in positive. Like the polls are fake. We know the polls are fake. They're rigged. Um, you can make a poll, say whatever you want it to say based on the questions. If you go to my screen, Mr. Producer, these are the latest polls in the Real Clear Politics average of polls. You see, Joe Biden is negative three. Negative three. Rasmussen had him at negative six. Well, how, how does that happen? How do you go from negative six to negative three? The way you do that is by looking here at the sample. Rasmussen polls likely voters. Those are voters that they believe have a high propensity, high likelihood of voting in the next election. Politico Morning Consult only polled RV, registered voters. So they polled people that aren't going to vote. What's the point of polling people that aren't going to vote? Now, there's benefits to both kinds, right? There's benefits to both kinds. You look at this, Reuters, Ipsos, A, I believe A just stands for adults. Not even if they're registered to vote. So Reuters has plus one, Biden plus one. They didn't layer on registered to vote. They didn't layer on likely to vote. It's just American adults. So that's how they play the games. They play the games with the samples, who they choose to answer the polls. Rasmussen is not perfect, not by any means. Rasmussen does absolutely um, lean more to the right. But their methodology is much sounder, much sounder than anything coming out of the left these days. There was another Rasmussen poll. I'm going to see if I can find it. They asked Democrats about who they believe the, uh, the biggest threat to the country is. I'm going to see if I can find it. I think I can get it. They responded that they believe that Trump supporters and the unvaccinated posed a bigger risk to the United States than China, Russia, or the Taliban. That's not a joke. That's not a joke. Let me pull it up. I just, I just found it. Uh, okay. Pulling up right here. Okay. Let's put it up. Go to my screen, Mr. Producer. Here we go. Scott Rasmussen poll. Democrats sees Trump supporters and the unvaccinated as the biggest threat. Let me see if I can zoom in for everyone watching the show today. Oh, too much. Too much zoom. Here we go. Scott Rasmussen survey of 1,200 registered voters. So again, it's not necessarily likely voters, but you're not worried about likely voters in this case. Likely voters, you care about whether or not they're likely to support a candidate. For something like this, of just what do you think about everyone, about different things, you want registered voters. Likely voters doesn't mean a whole lot. So the Scott Rasmussen survey of 1,200 registered voters conducted September 8th, 2021. And it asked them, who do they believe do they believe that these people pose a threat to the United States? The Taliban. 52% of all Americans said that the Taliban poses a threat to the United States. Absolutely true. Problem is, when you actually break down, it's 66% GOP, only 44% Democrat. <laughs> China. 58% GOP, 44% Democrat. Defund the police activists. 62% Republicans. Only 24% of Democrats believe that the defund the police activists, the defund the police movement poses a threat to the United States. Good news is neither party believes that Russia poses a huge threat. So I guess we've put the Russia collusion behind us. 33% of Republicans, 37% of Democrats. Here's where it gets really scary. And this is where 
you're happy that you have Rasmus and these other right-leaning outlets to ask these questions. They are obviously looking to, to prove something. But they ask them, what do you think about Donald Trump supporters? Do Donald Trump supporters pose a threat to the country? Apparently, 9% of Republicans believe that. Shocking. 57% of Democrats believe that. Illegal immigrants, 47% of Republicans believe it. 20% of Democrats don't. And socialists, only 19% of Democrats say socialists, 44% of Republicans. The part that I just accidentally glossed over is this one, unvaccinated Americans. Unvaccinated Americans. 29% of Republicans believe that unvaccinated Americans pose a threat to the country. 56% of Democrats believe that unvaccinated Americans pose a threat to the country. Democrats, more Democrats believe that unvaccinated Americans pose a threat than believe the Taliban, China, Russia, illegal aliens, or socialists. So that is a consequence of this whole narrative that Joe Biden is pushing. We go ahead and take down my screen, Mr. Producer. It's the narrative that he's pushing. The idea that, listen, when Donald Trump was president, every single time someone died, it was his fault. When Joe Biden's president, every time someone dies, it's not Joe Biden's fault, apparently. It's the unvaccinated. It's their fault. Oh, I see. The rules change. But when Joe Biden gave that speech, essentially declaring war on anyone who opts out, I don't, I don't like to use the word refuse because refuse, I mean, it, it makes it sound like it's being forced upon them, which now Biden's trying to do. But you opt out. You opt not to get the vaccine, which is your right as a human being endowed by your creator with that right to decide not to do that. Joe Biden declared war on you. He actually, in his speech, said he was angry at unvaccinated Americans, egging on this violence, trying to create this dichotomy. We had Josh on a couple of weeks ago to talk about factions. Factions is that word that the founders were so terrified of. The idea, not just political parties, because that happens. You, you divide up by political parties. But when you have other factions forming, when you have different groups forming against other groups in the country, it's incredibly dangerous. So they hoped that they would devise a constitutional system that would protect the country from factions. And Joe Biden from the White House is acting on. Say, oh yeah, no, unvaccinated versus vaccinated. Making them out to be the enemy. And we see from the polling, that's having an effect. It really is. I want to mention this. I found this very fascinating. This, this is coming from the Atlantic. If we put up my screen again, they're diving into the hospitalization numbers. And the hospitalization numbers for COVID-19 are not bogus, but they are cooked like so many of the other numbers are. Right from the Atlantic, our most reliable pandemic number is losing meeting. A new study suggests that almost half of those hospitalized with COVID-19 have mild or asymptomatic cases. Now, the way we have traditionally tracked it, cases, number of cases, they it, obviously it matters in some respect, but you throw it out the window because it, it obviously does get skewed based on testing right? Deaths, as we've said, yes, there are people who died from COVID-19, but there's a lot of other people who died from other things that were attributed to COVID-19, right? The flu didn't just take a holiday. Heart disease didn't just take a holiday, right? All these other things that kill Americans didn't take a holiday last year. People still died from those ailments, but it was classified as COVID-19. So you can't really look at the deaths. The constant has always been the hospitalizations. If someone is sick enough to be hospitalized, then that is a, a statistic worth, worth measuring. But if you go back to the screen, what the Atlantic is finding is that the hospitalization numbers don't even mean anything anymore 
because almost half of everyone who's being hospitalized now probably doesn't need to be hospitalized. Mild cases, mild symptoms, and asymptomatic symptoms. Just think about that. Someone presenting asymptomatically, they are positive for COVID-19, according to the test, which I still don't believe the test, right? I have been sick every week this summer, and every single week, my whole household gets sick. This last time is the one time I didn't get sick. I'm really proud. Patient Zero, my son, brought something into the house. My wife, my two sons got incredibly sick. I overdosed on vitamin C, taking those uh, emergency things. If you ever see me drinking from the, these little green cups, that's what I'm drinking, the vitamin C. Um, I overdosed on it. I didn't get sick. But every week this, week this summer, our whole household has been sick with something. And every week, we just one of us gets tested. Uh, we want to find, is it, is it COVID? Is it RSV? Is it the flu? We all get tested for something. It was never COVID all summer. We were sick all summer with different things, and it was never COVID, which doesn't make sense. It, you, you can't spend an entire summer with different respiratory viruses every week or so and have none of them be COVID-19 in Texas in the summertime when it's 105, 110 degrees outside. No, it doesn't work like that. So obviously we had COVID at some point this summer. <laughs> I mean, there's not enough respiratory viruses. So I don't really believe the test. There's still a crapshoot. But to think that they're actually hot, uh, admitting people into hospitals with asymptomatic cases, why are they doing that? Oh, is it to pump up the numbers? I mean, you can't say that you're running out of hospital beds and then the hospital beds are even in any way in part filled by people who are positive for COVID-19 but asymptomatic. You can't say it. Don't admit them. You know how hard it is to get admitted to a hospital when you have no symptoms? Go ahead and try it. Try and get admitted to a hospital for another disease and say you have no symptoms. They'll laugh you out the door. But for whatever reason, they are now admitting asymptomatic cases to the hospital. That's the kind of stuff you see that, and you can't help but think. You can't help but think that there's someone here trying to pump up the numbers. Like when, when a coroner sees paperwork come across his desk for a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head, and says, oh, I was a COVID death. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There, there's other things at play here. Probably money. We know that the hospitals get paid from the federal government every time they admit a patient who is COVID positive. We know that. We know that. Different, different treatments obviously get them different amounts of money. So it's impossible to look at that news headline from The Atlantic, which is not a right-leaning newspaper or magazine, not at all. You have to think, are hospitals admitting asymptomatic but positive patients for a cash windfall? Something we'll probably never know. Hopefully we know. We're going to keep looking into it, keep covering it. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. If you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe to our text alert system. Lots of people saying they're still missing shows because we've changed the times. And I think something we're probably going to do is we're probably going to replay some of these shows in our old time slot. I mean, we have the technology. We can do it. Um, so there's no reason that we, we can't be replaying. Obviously, we're going to be having more shows, adding more shows to the docket, turning this into a legitimate podcast network. So have, uh, I mean, we have TIG show. We have Modern Patriot, right? But bring on more like that so that throughout the day, throughout the week, there's different shows different um, podcasts 
that's the goal. But we have lots of time to fill. So probably what we're going to have happen, we just have to make sure we have the hardware to do it, is restreaming this in our old time slot. Probably be useful for people who can't watch the morning, can't watch in the evening, but can watch midday. But in order to get those alerts when we're streaming, it's very important that you join our text alert system. Text the word freedom, F-R-E-E-D-O-M, to 89517. It's in the description, but 89517. Text the word freedom. You'll get added to our text alert system. When we start sending out those texts 20 minutes before we go live, we have to do it 20 minutes before we go live because there's so many people on the text list that it just takes a long time to trickle out. And if we go any, any later, people get the text after we go live. So unfortunately, some people are going to get the text 20, 15 minutes before air. It's better than getting it 10 minutes after we go live. But sign up for that and you'll get an alert in the morning and in the evening reminding you that the show is going on, telling you what the show is about, and then giving you the links on how you can watch the show. And it's a good idea if you get those, if you get those links to make sure you bookmark them. It's easy. Facebook, conserve-daily.com, DLive, Twitch, CloudHub, soon to be Frank Speech. Hopefully, soon to be Frank Speech. Make sure you, you bookmark all of it, because sometimes one stream goes down, everyone has to hop over to the other one. It's going to be faster if you have that bookmarked. Also, got to remind everyone to go to the Conservative Daily store. We have a new line of women's t-shirts. If you go ahead and put up my screen, Mr. Producer. These are hot, 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 hot. The Freedom Eagle t-shirt, women's shirt. I believe there is also a men's version. But uh, the Freedom Women, that is Freedom correct. Eagle women's shirt. Freedom Eagle women's shirt. Go to the link in our description. Pick it up for that lady in your life and support the show. Support Freedom. And we're going to be promoting more and more of these t-shirts. So make sure you go to the store, store.conservative-daily.com and buy your merch. Merch, merch, merch. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. As I said, make sure you subscribe to the audio edition. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean. All great places wherever you find audio podcasts. But please do, if you have an Apple device, do it on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review so we can climb back up in those Apple Podcast ratings. We go live 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you tune in for that. Check out all the links in the description. That's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Remember, everyone, that the fight to take back our country is not over yet. But the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together. <laughs>